take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to 1 Kings, chapter number 18. We're looking at uh, this matter of Elijah, and of course, when he comes on the scene, it is a time of national separation. Israel is divided. It is a time of sinful continuation with each one of these kings. It just seems to get worse. And it's a time of invitation to salvation. They've just raised up all kinds of gods. There's not only kings, but there are gods. And the contest when Elijah comes, his very name is a slap in the face. It means my God, El, God. Elijah, my God is Jehovah, one of those compound names like Daniel that ends in the E-L, my God is judge, or Samuel ending in E-L, my God hears. As I said uh, last night, it wouldn't hurt for us to have a little God in our name. As, uh, at least folks ought to think of God when they hear our name. And uh, so there is this contention, this uh, sort of like a contest, and when Elijah comes on the scene, uh, what he wants them to know is that his God is Jehovah, and so what he does is he brings them the word of the Lord. He said, my God speaks. My God has a language. My God talks. And show, so in chapter number 17, he showed them the word of the Lord. Aren't you glad for God's word? Not only that it's found in this book, but has come, become real in your life. And uh, thank God for that word that we're able to share with this old world. If they're ever going to know that there's a God, they're going to have to hear his word. And we are those through whom God will send that word. But I want to move on over here to chapter number 18. And I, I want to preach tonight on the ways of the Lord. I guess the question could be asked, if your God is God, not only uh, does he have a word, but what's he like? What are his characteristics? What are his ways? And of course, as I have pointed out, uh, the condition that Israel is in. Uh, if anybody needed to be saved, anybody needed saving, Israel needs to be saved. Uh, her transgressions have piled up. Her iniquities are so many. And the, the very judgment of God in famine is, uh, is on her. She's probably in the worst condition that she has, has ever been in. Uh, she needs saving. But there's only one way that she can be saved. And you do understand that God only saves one way. And I want to read this text and I want us to see the ways of God, how God works, how he worked with Elijah, how he worked with Israel, but how his ways are the same even today, how he worked on your behalf and my behalf, how uh, the way he saves any sinner that he ever saved, the very ways of God. The Bible said that the children of Israel knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. He knew his ways. So let's look at here, and we're going to see the very ways of God. Uh, look in chapter number 18 and verse number 1. The Bible said, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, move over, if you will, to verse number 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Elijah, uh, Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send, notice this, and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. Underscore that. 
And the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, and if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. I preached at that church. I've been there. Notice in verse number 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. Now he's going to show them the ways of God. Israel needs to be delivered. Israel needs to be saved. Elijah is not going to point them unto himself. He is not going to try to be their savior. He's not going to give them some false remedy. Notice how he shows them the ways of God. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of what? The Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. See, all this is nothing more than what God had already set up, that they'd let fall apart. He wasn't coming up with a self-made remedy. He is going back to the very ways of God. Honey, if anything happens in this old world that's of heavenly value, we're going to have to get back to the ways of God. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood. You go on back in the Old Testament to those ordered sacrifices. He's just following what God had already laid out. This is God's way. Then he said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. They did it the second time. He said, do it the third time. They did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and it filled the trench also with water. Everybody I've read has an opinion on how much water that was. I said, well, it don't make no difference to me. All I know is it's more than enough. And it came to pass at the time of the evening offering of the offering of the evening sacrifice. <laughs> He's even got God's way when it comes to the timing. Everything about this is God's way. Well, how we need to get back to being concerned on how God would do it. How would God do it? If there ain't going to be any help, we're going to have to let us, we're going to have to get back to God's timing. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God, and here's that Old Testament prayer of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You can find it many times. That's God's way. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. Lord, I brought Israel up here because I want them to see your way. I want you to deliver them. I want them to know that Baal and Chemosh and Astaroth and all these other gods are lifeless, cannot save them. I want them to know that you are God 
and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. He's not just up here having a contest. He's not just up here proving that he's right. He's up here trying to show them the ways of the Lord so he can deliver them. And that thou hast turned, here's what he wants, <laughs> their heart back again. Wow. It's been many years since this order has been followed. I tell you, this one man's heart that hadn't forgotten it, he's holding right to the line of how God had already established it and he's doing it exactly the way God wanted it done. And as a result of that, while they couldn't even get a spark, we didn't read the text, didn't have time tonight, they couldn't even get a spark in their service. <laughs> you know why? Because it wasn't God's way. The Bible said, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, and that word Lord right there is the word Jehovah. He is God. The Lord. Jehovah, he is God. But I want us to look at Elijah as he shows them, he wants them to see the ways of God because there's only one way God's going to do it. And if Israel's going to be restored, if she's going to have to be turned, if she's going to be turned back, she can't be turned back on, on his whim or his simple philosophies or his simple directions. They've been following every one of them kings and bound to all their gods for many years now. He wants them to be turned back and so he's going to, he has not only brought them the word of the Lord, he has brought them the ways of the Lord. And can I say to you, this old world needs saving like never before. Our neighbors, our towns, our families, and our children. But if they ever see the ways of the Lord, they're going to have to see it through God's people who know the ways of the Lord and who follow the ways of the Lord and still adhere to the ways of the Lord. Now, I want you to get this. You have to watch close. Elijah is going to take them to a place to where they could see God's ways and it would save them. Well, let me ask you. If you were going to take someone and point them in any direction to where they could see God's only plan of salvation, which way would you point? And who would you point to? Now just buckle up here a little bit. What Elijah does, and I want you to see, I want you to see this because every time it happened, it was a picture. Every time what Elijah did on this mount, every time it happened throughout the Old Testament, it was not just for that moment, it was a picture of another moment. So what he is saying to Israel, you need, you need salvation. You're in terrible condition. <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to a hill far away. I'm going to take you to a mountain. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? He said, I'm going to take you to Mount Carmel. That's the initial step. But hey, can I say to you, 
So it is in the ways of God in the saving, our saving. It begins on a hill far away. Taken out of the systems and circumstances of this world to that hill that's called not Mount Carmel, but Mount Calvary. <laughs> See, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to get this outfit on a mountain. Got to get them on a hill. We got to get them to where they can see the ways of God. And the ways of God are not never seen any more clearer or vivid than what they are at Calvary. He's going to take them to a hill far away. But not only is he going to take them up on that mountain or to that hill, as we would say, that is far away, but he's going to take them to a tree. He's going to take them where there is a tree. You say, well, preacher, I didn't see a tree in this text. Yes, there is a tree because the Bible said he laid the wood in order. There was a tree. Now let me make, hear hear what I'm saying. I'll make the application in a moment. In other words, if he's going to show them the ways of God, he'll take them to a hill or a mountain. He'll take them where there is a tree. But he will also point to a sacrifice. He will point to that bullock, which is a representation of the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the Lord. He said, I'm going to show you how God does it, how he's always done it, and all he will always will do it. He'll do it, he'll do it where there is a tree. He'll do it where there is a sacrifice. He'll do it on a hill far, far, far away. Hallelujah. He takes them up there where there are stones. And of course we realize that Jesus is that great stone cut out of the mountain without hands. He's the chief cornerstone. He is the stumbling stone to people like Ahab and the rest of this old world. He takes them where there is an altar. Now, it's not that all of that hasn't been there. It has been there, but they have moved away from God's way. Now they're doing it Jeroboam's way. They're doing it Ahab's way. They're doing it the king's ways and the Baal's ways and the, and the gods of this world's way. And that's why they're dying in their sin and they're sinking into destruction because they have left God's way. And Elijah said, I want to point you. I want to point you. I want to take you to where God does things his way. And everything on this day that happened on this mountain was done because that's the way God wanted it done. It was God's way and God's only way. It was the way that he set up in the tabernacle. It was the way that was set up in the temple. It was the way in which sin was always dealt with. It was God's way of deliverance for his people. But what I want you to understand is that that way that was God's way in the Old Testament spoke of the way in the New Testament. And you know that God still only has one way. And Jesus said, I, it is a person. He said, I am the way. And of course, in that he is the way, he's God's only way of salvation. And it is at that that mountain, that Golgotha, where God's way is displayed in such a great way for the salvation of all, not just Israel, but the salvation of all mankind. 
in that Jesus died as a sacrifice on that tree. On that tree, I say, it was there that he bore the very judgment of God Almighty for you and for me. And as a result of the cross and of Calvary, as a result of God's way in and through Christ, I stand before you tonight redeemed. As the songwriter said, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. And as a result of having it God's way, did you notice the fire came down? The rain came down. And the people bowed down. There's just something about how God is able to deal and God is able to work and God is able to perform when we let him do his work his way. In other words, we could summarize it up. God's way is Christ. God's way is Christ. And though Elijah did not know Christ, he knew the ways of God and the ways of God always point to Christ. Though Moses did not know Christ in a personal way, I'm going to tell you he knew the ways of God and the ways of God always point to Christ. And the prophets of the Old Testament had the spirit. I'm going to tell you that spirit of prophecy within them and what they said pointed to the sacrifice and pointed to the hill far away and pointed to the cross and pointed to redemption and pointed to, I'll tell you, the price of our sin being paid for. God's only way. There's only one way. And he brings them the way. And if there's any help for this, world it's going to be through the way of the cross now it all happens at this spot on this nothing happens before they have to be brought to this place before anything happens and can I say to you before anything happens anywhere in any man's heart they're going to have to be brought to the place to where they are confronted with God's way And there are three things that are very simple that I want to emphasize, that I want to say about God's way. The first thing that I would have you to notice is that that we see on this mountain that God's way, and I, I, I would point us to Calvary because Calvary says to us and magnifies to our heart on that hill far away. Calvary magnifies to our hearts that God's way in Christ, notice what I'm saying, is simple. If you want to come to the simplicity of life, it is found in Christ. It is there that it is to be settled the question that he asked them in verse number 21. Of chapter 18, Elijah came unto the people and said, How long will ye halt ye between two opinions? In other words, one day it was Jehovah, the next day it was Baal, the next day it was Chemosh, the next day it was Astaroth, depending on who the God was and who the king was and which God that they fondled and that they adhered to the most. And as a result of that, they were always double-minded. And where you find this halting between two opinions, of course you find no deliverance, no help, and no salvation. And Israel's going deep down into, I'll tell you, iniquity and so forth because they can't even make up their minds. They are confused from day to day. But when Elijah brings them up, the thing that's going to make the difference is what happens here with this sacrifice. 
And when they see that that wood, they know what that's all about. It has reminded them of the sacrifices of God. They realize that this is a prophetical matter and they see that wood laid in order. That's how God would do it. And they see those stones placed in order. They know that's how God would do it. And they see the sacrifice cut in pieces and laid in order. They know that's how God would do it. And then all of a sudden they stand back after the water's been poured all over it. And all of a sudden Elijah begins to pray. And at the end of his prayer, brother, you better back up and get out of the way because all heaven turns loose and it ain't rain, it's fire that comes down. And when that fire hits, what they realize now is is that all of those gods they've been serving are not really gods and that the Lord, he must be God. And can I say to you that this old world will go on in its indecisiveness as far as religion is concerned, it won't make any difference if they're Baptist or if they're Methodist or if they're Presbyterian or whatever denomination that it may be or without denomination, all of this religiosity in their lives until they come to Calvary. And there at Calvary, what they realize is, is there's not two choices and there are not two doors and there are not two ways. And it is there that they must make up their mind and make it the simplicity of the choice that it is either Christ and heaven or it is rejection and hell. It is just that plain. It is just that simple. The Lord's ways. Joshua said, as for me, he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. And Jesus said, you're either for me or you are against me. But no better way for a man to find out which way he's going to go. I mean, the cross will tell you which way you're going to go. Because it is at the cross you will either go the cross way or as a result of that you will go the other way, which is hell's way. It is the very, the very simplicity of it. When you get there and you watch that sacrifice and you watch that order that God has placed there, you realize that this is God's way, God's working. And then you see the power that rests upon it. Then you realize that really there is only one way. I tell you, salvation was made simple and easy for me as I walked down that little alley between West 46 and West 47 Street, Clark and Train in Cleveland, Ohio, when the Lord showed up. And when he showed up to me with, and showed himself to me, what he did was is he brought the truth of salvation from my head to my heart. I had heard that gospel. I had heard that he had died, was buried, and rose again third day, but it was in my head. But thank God when he showed up, the fire came down and rested on that word that I had heard, and it changed my world. It made the decision very easy. You say, well, uh, you, you could have decided to have went the other way. I don't know. I guess maybe I could have, but I'll tell you something. When you get to feeling the flames, they, 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 you, you don't, it ain't hard to make up your mind which way you're going to go. I felt as though through the conviction of the Holy Ghost that if I took one more step, I'm telling you the truth, if I took, he stopped me in my tracks, and if I had to took one more step, I was going to drop off into hell. <laughs> I said, well, that ain't much of a choice. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And it is there, it is there that the transaction took place and everything was settled as far as the direction of my life. And I'm going to tell you, as far as my eternity was concerned, because it was all settled at the cross. But if it's not settled on a hill far away, if it's not settled at a cross, if it's not settled at an altar, if it's not settled where the sacrifice was laid, it ain't settled and won't ever be settled. But he made it simple. 
at the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. It is there that it became so simple. Choose. How long halt ye between two opinions? But not only did they see the simplicity of God's way in Christ up there on that mountain with that altar and that that oxen that was offered up and that fire that came down. But I'd have you to know that they, they, they saw the supernatural. Now there was a service before this service. Now you can read that service uh, if you want to in verse number 25 down through verse number 29. It is there that I find that God has a sense of humor. We see it through his prophet. Now nowadays it wouldn't be recommended for you to laugh at anybody else's religion. But when you see what's going on here, the fact that they're praying for fire to come from heaven and then they're jumping on the altar of which they're praying for fire to come down and consume. It seems like the religion don't add up to their ideology. Sort of crazy. You ever been in some of those places where you realize folks had religion, but it was crazy religion. It didn't really make no sense. And they had their service and they were emotional and they even got down and and I'm going to tell you the nitty gritty and cut themselves. But I'm going to tell you as far as heaven was concerned, there was no divine movement. When that service was over, there was no difference in what it was when the service began. You know why? Because there wasn't anything about that meeting that was lined up by God Almighty or was done God's way. So he shut that service down, cold and dead, just shut it all down. And then he called them over to the real meeting. I mean the meeting that God had not just set up that day, but it was a meeting that he set up, I'm going to tell you, even back I'm gonna, when the sacrifice was made to clothe Adam and Eve. It was a meeting that God had ordained in his own way of salvation. And he brings them up to the the meeting where they can be shown how God does it and how God would do it. And it was there they began to witness the supernatural. Matter of fact, this meeting... uh, is one of those meetings that, I mean, what, what's going on with Elijah as he's setting up, as he goes up to this meeting and uh, as he brings them up to, to this hill far away? It seems impossible. Right. I mean, you're talking about having the, the deck stacked. Yeah. Even going up there, it's him against 450 prophets of Baal, 400 of the groves, and all the people are following them anyway. He says so. I mean, it just doesn't look like that that he can really have a meeting with that much opposition. I mean, you're talking about being tight. Matter of fact, he couldn't get an amen in verse number 21. I mean, the atmosphere, not a word. Kind of remind me of a church I went into one time and had some men in the vestibule shaking hands and went around and said our pleasantries and right at the end of the men there, there was a little old boy that looked like he's 10 years old. I thought that's kind of odd and he stuck up his hand toward me and he said, good luck. <laughs> I'll tell you, before that service is over, and I don't believe in luck, but I was looking for some. I'd have took some. But Elijah can't even get an amen. I mean, everything about it seems to be working against him. But isn't that the way God works? He does things amongst adversity. 
I mean, look, look at Christ himself, how impossible. I mean, like you said, well, why do you say that, that uh, Christ and, and his sacrifice and his... Way the, I mean, let's look at being born of a virgin. I mean, how many times has that ever happened? Let's look at walking on water uh, and, uh, and uh, let's, let's look at uh, the miracles that he performed. I, I better, better than that, let's, let's look at being crucified on a cross and put it in a, in a tomb and then resurrecting out of that. That's impossible. You know why? Because it's divine. It's supernatural. God's ways will always be divine. They will always be supernatural. I mean, he brings them upon this hill and he sets things up. And then he, he's, he's going to do something that is odd. He's going to, he's, his attempt is to bring fire out of heaven when he ought to be praying for rain. Matter of fact, he's got that religious crowd so warped up. They're up there praying. They're, they're calling, trying to call fire down out of heaven from their God when, when the whole problem is they hadn't had any rain. They need, they, they need some rain. But Elijah sits uh, them up, brings them up there, and it is there that in this very atmosphere uh, he begins to to show them the very ways of God. He even lets them go first. He said, y'all have y'all meeting, your meeting, and then I'll have my meeting. You know, uh, the thing about it is, a couple of three thoughts that I would inject right here that maybe don't have anything to do with the direction I'm going, but I was, I was thinking, you know, it, it don't hurt every now and then to let the devil help, help you out when you're doing something. A lot of folks don't like that. But you did know that God never did do anything he didn't have a little devil in it. Does that surprise you? Does that surprise you? Well, I mean, look at Judas. You don't think Jesus knew he was there? He said, I know one of you is the devil. But he used him. He'll, he'll use the devil. He won't pay him nothing, but he'll use him. I mean, yeah, that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. And did you notice, did you notice in this text, I'm just buying, passing by this, did you notice in this text that Elijah didn't carry the water? He let the devil's crowd carry the water. <laughs> Even that in himself has some God in it in which God is able to operate things in the worst of conditions to your favor. He's got them hauling water. <laughs> if, you know, if, you, if, you'll just, if you'll just let the Lord do it his way every now and then, he'll have the devil helping you out. He just won't know no better. Isn't that amazing? But here's what I want you to understand. All of this that is so supernatural on the human level, it seems so impossible that it's almost unreasonable. What they're doing just doesn't make sense. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're letting God have his way, don't mind looking stupid. Because I'm going to tell you more times than not, is this world's going to look at you and they're going to say, that's stupid. You want us to do what? Carry water and pour it all over and fill even the ditches up that are That don't even make sense. Well, it may not make sense to you. But honey, here's the, here's the thing about it. In God's ways, he's going to set it up to where it is going to be impossible so people can know that that wasn't you, that was the Lord. He'll give the devil's crowd the advantage and he'll set it up in such a way in which it just cannot happen, but then he'll bring it to pass. That's his way. That's why he let them take his son and nail him on a cross and verify, verify not only with the nails but the spear in the side and then checking him and putting him in a tomb. They made for sure he was dead and God wanted them to make sure, wanted them to make sure he was dead. Why? Because he was going to do the impossible and bring him out of the grave. 
if you can explain everything, you got an explanation for everything that happens in your life, there ain't no God there. Just mark it down. Because what's going to happen is, is the Lord's going to work in a way to where folks are going to look at that and say, that had to be God. And if this world is ever going to, to be saved from itself and from its sin, it's going to have to see some people that's having God work His way in their lives to where there's no answer for that. That has to be divine. But not only from the outside looking in, there has to come, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to experience the very worries and workings of God as took place on that cross in the fullest sense, there, 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 God is going to allow you and take you to a place to where he's going to set things up his way to where you're going to know you yourself are going to point at those times in your life to where there is no answer for that except... God did it, and he did it his way. It is on this mountain they saw the simple ways of God through Christ, and they saw the supernatural ways of God through Christ. But I would say to you lastly that on this mountain up there, as, as, as it was on Mount Calvary, they were able to witness the sacrificial ways of God. The sacrificial ways of God. Nothing tells you more about the love of God. And that's what this world needs to understand. That God, one of his ways, God is love. And you can never point to the cross but what you are saying that God, for God so loved the world that he gave. And what a life-changing experience it is. And I'm going to tell you, even these, these Israelites that are standing up there watching this sacrifice, every sacrifice was, was made because of someone's sin. If there had been no sin, there would never have been a need of any kind of sacrifice which led to Christ who was the ultimate sacrifice for all sin. And you can't look at the cross, but what you realize that you were a sinner and that Christ died for you. And God's only way of taking care of sin was a sacrifice. And Christ was and is, thank God, his only sacrifice. Now understand, I'm bringing you down to where I can just tie it in a knot. What you've got to understand and what I have to understand that is in this matter of sacrifice, there's more than one sacrifice up on this mountain. There's more than one sacrifice. There is the sacrifice of this bullock which is in rep representation of Christ himself who sacrificed on our behalf. But what I realized, if you would look down in verse number 40, and see what happens. Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and what did he do to them? Slew them there. Now, you know what that tells me is that this is not just your average Sunday night service, that it really doesn't make any difference how it turns out. Somebody said, well, you know, we had a good church. It went all right last night. It's, 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 you know, singing was pretty good. Preaching was fair. But, it, you know, I, it's, no, he, he can't afford to have a bad service. Yeah. Right. That's right. Elisha can't afford to get up there and play religion. Right. <laughs> Elijah cannot afford to imitate the service they had. Because what he is saying, when he says to them back in what, verse 20 or 21, how long, how cheap between two opinions, what he's saying is, let's go up and have a meeting under death. 
if your God don't answer, you die. If my God don't answer, I die. In other words, if Elijah doesn't do it God's way, honey, it's going to be bad business on his part. He realizes what he's doing on that day is he's laying everything on the line and he's laying on the line, I'm going to tell you, believing in God's way. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this thing ain't even half real in your life until you come to the place that you realize that he gave it all. But not only did he give it all, but honey, in turn, if this world's ever going to see him, somebody else is going to have to give it all. Paul said so. What well, was it in Romans chapter number 12? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? I'm going to tell you in this contemporary age where everybody wants to feel the thrills and, and, the, and, the, and the feel betters and everything like that, we, we realize uh, the way we see it is is Jesus died and God justified, but now we can just whistle our way on to heaven. But I'm going to tell you something. The reason why things happen like they happened on that hill was not only because of the sacrifice of that bullet that gave his life, but it's, for the, it's the sacrifice of Elijah who laid down his life. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and honey, you and I need to realize tonight that this old world's dying and it's going to hell and I'm gonna tell you things are going to shambles and the reason why it is is because we got a lot of church folks that believe in a Jesus that died but they ain't got no interest in giving any kind of sacrifice at all. We've often said the kind of service you get is the kind of service depending upon what you put into it. And when Elijah went up on that mountain, he realized that he was going to have to trust the ways of God 100%. And when he did so, when he put his life on the line, I mean, when he put his blood at the same place that the bullock's blood was put. Who was it? The apostle Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He put himself in that same position of sacrifice. But look what happened as a result of it. God Almighty moved the fire that consumed and licked and sucked up. I mean, there's nothing left. They're, you're not going to go up there and see some remnants of what was happened there. It's gone. There's no sign it was ever there. The fire has come down. The rain has come down. Thank God. The people have bowed down and God has done a work. Where there is no sacrifice, there can be no salvation. You do know that. If Jesus had not sacrificed, none of us could be saved. But I want to venture on that we are his representation in this world. And if this world is going to see Christ as they need to see him, it's going to see it through the sacrifices that are in our lives that lets this world know that we really believe what we say we believe. Somebody say, well, you know, I go to church on Sunday morning. It's a little, it's a little inconvenient on Sunday night. <laughs> Wednesday nights just really blow you out. I mean, you know. Revival? I don't have time for that. 
I want to tell you something. That's the reason why there's no more happening in folks' lives that live like that than what is. Is they're not willing to pay the price themselves. Preacher that touched my life many years ago. Been in heaven a long time. He said he had a, this was back in the 30s when there wasn't no money to amount to much, especially for poor folks. He said uh, he had a rich man who was a Christian, businessman. Told him, said, Brother Joe, I'd give everything I've got if I could know God and have God work in my life like he works in you. And Brother Joe said, well, that's exactly what it'll cost you. <laughs> Who was it? Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. I was reading the other day where he sent a note to his wife and he said, well, all we've got left is 25 cents and all of the promises of God. <laughs> all we've got left is 25 cents and all of the promises of God. Now, I'm not saying we ought to look for something to sacrifice, but I'm going to tell you when God deals with our hearts, we ought to be willing to sacrifice. Because here is the thing. Israel needs to know and needs to see the very ways of God. And the best way, I'm going to tell you, to show men and women, boys and girls, the ways of God is to point them to a tree, to point them to a hill, to point them to a lamb, to point them to a sacrifice, to point them, thank God, to the very ways of the Lord that will bring forth a divine miracle every time in their lives. Because that's the way God does it. You know what John said to the disciples that made the difference in their life? Behold, the Lamb of God. The Apostle Paul said, I desire to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him Crucified. The Hebrew writer said, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This world needs to know God's way, but the only way they can know God's way is if they see Christ in our lives. They see the cross in our lives, they see the sacrifice in our lives, they see the power of God operate. Well, I know Esther said she can't sing, but I have requested that she sing an invitation. <laughs> and so I'm going to ask her to come.